Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, let's get into what? Hmm? All right, there you go. Uh, just getting directions here in my earpiece. Uh, there is the sound and the fury ready to kind of get together here online. Only the fury has joined us. The sound, which would be Peter Tabbins, is MIA. But uh, I'm sure he's going to join us here in, imminently. However, Anthony Fury, uh, half of the panel, Sun Papers national columnist. Good to have you on board, Anthony. How are you holding up? Hey, John, always great to chat with you. You know, I'm, I'm doing okay. Yourself? Yeah, you know, down here in the bunker, it's not so bad. I'm uh, in my man cave. I got a broad screen TV in front of me. I'm beside the bar every afternoon around 4.15. I look longingly over there and say, you know what? I'm really tempted because uh, this thing is sort of pounding us all down. And uh, except, you know, there are bottles I haven't touched in eons like the Bombay or Sapphire, Bombay Sapphire, <laughs> the blue... <laughs> You know, somebody sent me, uh, what did I get from my brother, Frangelico? He gave me that at Christmas. He said, it was oh. made by Franciscan monks. I said, listen, I what I drink is made by a guy named Angus on the Isle of Skye. Don't give me this Frangelico. Anyway, <laughs> the trials and tribulations. Frangelico. Yeah. By the way, uh, how you, you so you're down at, at home as well, or you, you're filing your stories from your home, I'm guessing? Uh, yeah, I'm in an undisclosed location in rural Ontario. I, too, have a... Uh, have a bunker just like yours although i have uh, i have an axe and i chop wood uh in my man cave <laughs> that's all right we all have an axe to grind i think from time to time <laughs> peter tabbins is weighing in tabbins from parts unknown uh you're oh, no, also no, in no. your not parts unknown not toronto toronto well <laughs> okay could you be a little more vague uh <laughs> Are you in a man cave? Are you set up in, uh, you know, a, a residential kind of office setting I, rather than being at the legislature? I am in a residential office kind of situation, without a doubt, John. I'm here. I've got my computer in front of me, my phone at my side, television just to my right so that I can watch breaking news stories. Yeah. It has Tabins. its moments. It has its moments, John. I have a feeling uh, everything, including your TV, are to the right of you. Uh, ah. Anyway. Oh, no, my phone's to my left. That's because I'm calling you, John, because I'm calling okay. you. But it's a landline, so it's really uh, well past its best before date. So <laughs> let me let me start by asking you some, some something on a serious note. When we got these job numbers earlier today, Canada lost a million jobs in March, and uh, the unemployment rate has gone up to 7.8%. In Ontario, 406,000 jobs. And yet uh, we saw where Rod Phillips, uh, the finance minister and uh, the premier at lunch were talking, or I guess at one o'clock in their presser, uh, they were talking about starting to open the economy and they've got, you know, a team together to start looking into that. Anthony, let me start with you. How and when should we know that it's right to start going down that road? By what criteria? Well, there's been a lot of conversations about testing and getting broad enough testing to know 
just how many people have actually already had this in an asymptomatic way, have the herd immunity to it. I was reading an interesting feature in a California publication about how Stanford medical researchers, so these are some of the top people in the country, they believe that this thing hit California in wait for it in the fall. We're talking back in October back in November, cases getting off the plane from Wuhan that affected them, which explains why California on the West Coast does not have anywhere near as bad as they have on the East Coast, vis-a-vis New York and New Jersey. Yes, Seattle and Washington had those first flare-ups at old age homes, but it hasn't spread widely. Uh, Maybe that's why British Columbia has been relatively uh, less hit compared to Quebec and Ontario. This is just a working theory, but it's a theory for medical researchers. So you want to get those numbers out there. And then if you have, have this smart data that tells us, okay, who's, here's who's really at risk. Here's what we're really dealing with. Then you try to start open right away. You know, my, my last column, I was saying, we got to talk about plan B. That's where we've got to head. So I, I'm glad to hear that they're thinking this way because we just heard from Trudeau and Dr. Theresa Tam, full lockdown until the end of the summer. Yeah, there had been some speculation, too, because there and Tam was kind of qualified in why we can't have a national uh, tracking system, because different regions, as you say, B.C., uh, had maybe gone through it earlier than we did in Ontario. Ontario is still uh, in that stage of the numbers tracking north, uh, as opposed to some other provinces. So it's going to be like regional, regional different uh, mini epidemics or localized epidemics so peter can you see us maybe getting back to work in a piecemeal fashion a patchwork quilt if you will uh localized economies starting to get back where it's uh, not as egregious well if you're talking about across the country well that may well be the case john if if uh, bc is a few weeks or maybe a month or two ahead of us and are dealing with a very different reality, then they may be in a position, depending on what public health authorities have to say, uh, to start ramping up the economy. I, I think it's going to be going region by region, frankly. Uh, I think when you've got a country as big as ours, multiple time zones, um, then, yeah, you're going to get differences. Can we actually sustain this kind of social distancing right on into the summer, Anthony? I mean, a lot of people are getting antsy four weeks in. Yeah, I don't think we really can all that well. And I think people are actually getting frustrated at some of the unfair and arbitrary enforcement of rules. And I didn't just pull those two words uh, out of the sky. That's actually from the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. They've sent open letters uh, to the city of Ottawa, to their mayor and their police chief. And uh, they're also concerned about what they're seeing in other parts of the country. The goal should be to enforce public health, not to enforce public order. So, you know, people want to get out and about and exercise and do all of this. We should be advising them on on how that can be done in a responsible way. You know, the story of the father in Ottawa who was ticketed for taking his four-year-old autistic son out into an open field, not even a park, just a field, nobody else anywhere around, $700 fine. He clearly has the discretion to say, oh, okay, well, we've been here for an hour, and here's another family pulling up in a car. All right, let's jet out of here. Or he shows up, he sees there's another family. Okay, we're not going here. I mean, we're all adults, and if we're able to dress ourselves and feed ourselves in the morning, we're able to make some of these decisions as well. So by all means, find the people who are doing the contact rugby game with 50 guys on the pitch. But the rest of us, the walking about thing, we can handle it. Yeah, you know, Michael Bryan, uh, who is the uh, counsel for the Civil Liberties Association, was with us in hour one, and he had talked about that, where he thinks there's government overreach now, where the bylaw enforcement officers are empowered and are going a little crazy with this uh, in that case, even mounting, uh, he's considering anyway, a constitutional challenge. Do you see it as being too draconian, Peter Tabbins, or too strict uh, in its application? I mean, we've got a long holiday weekend, weather's supposed to be relatively nice, a lot of folks are 
agitating to get out there and, uh, you know, do some socializing. Uh, how would you approach that? Well, I, I would say that the, the advice of public health is still for people to self-isolate and reduce their contacts, frankly. Um, and I, I want to be following their advice. I think people should be following their advice. In Ontario, we're seeing our numbers continue to climb. Uh, that's a worry. I mean, I, it's a, it's between a rock and a hard place, John. No one wants to get sick. Uh, the reality with this disease is that it's unpredictable. You can't tell whether you're going to be a person who gets a light case or wind up on a ventilator uh, fighting for your life. You don't know. You have no idea, and it's the same with your kids. So I would say in Ontario, as our numbers continue to climb, as the advice we're getting is to stay home, that we should be taking that advice. All right. Well, some folks just, uh, as Anthony was saying, want to go out in the park and uh, walk a dog or whatever. Is yeah, that considered? And, and I think, John, as far as I know, you know, going out for a walk around the block, uh, that's still legit. But I think we should be spending most of our time in our homes and not in contact with people. Uh, that, that's our best chance at, at knocking down the numbers. You saw the numbers that Doug Ford put forward. Uh, we've got a range of uh, potential deaths between three and 15,000, under 500 if we're really strict with what we do. Uh, and I think uh, Premier Ford was probably on the money, he said, let's get these numbers as low as we can. He's right. Well, no, I understand the modeling uh, and the different scenarios that play out. You know, a lot of this modeling is based on, I guess, the credibility, too, of how people want to react to that, uh, the credibility of the people in charge. I've got to ask you, Anthony, because uh, Dr. Tam, you know, she's vacillated or flip-flopped on uh, so many things. And when the early stages of this thing were breaking out in China, uh, she was telling us, hey, it's not going to come here. It's not going to be a big fuss. I mean, does she still retain credibility when this is all said and done, if not sooner, uh, does she have to walk the plank, be dismissed, or does she still have a good standing here? How does he, how do you assess it? I think the standing is on shaky footing right now. And, and my next column, it's going to be online in, in minutes. It's in tomorrow's papers. I'm calling for a second opinion in the way that anybody would, any reasonable person would when a doctor has given them a diagnosis that is a really serious one. And a lot of people don't go, okay, I'm going to get my limb removed. I'm going to have this severe chemo and so forth without getting a second set of eyes on things. Right now, we've got a whole bunch of experts across the world who have very differing and divergent views on what's happening right now. These are the same level of experts, similar schools and so forth, but they're seeing things differently. So the politicians, the decision makers, Justin Trudeau, Doug Ford, Jason Kenney, John Tory, when they're sitting with their chief medical officers, I'd be curious to know what the conversation is. Are they saying, I trust the experts, and they're taking their word at face value and doing it, or is there is there pushback? Are they challenging them? Are they getting a second opinion? Because they think we should. You look at Dr. Tam's resume, and it's a good one, and she's uh, been doing a lot of impressive stuff for decades, and I, I certainly have respect for that. But it's a very severe thing to say shut down society until the summer. We know we're going to see the poverty, the suicide rates, the business closures. And what are the trade-offs there? I mean, are we doing a holistic whole of society uh, risk assessment on this? I'm not so sure we are. So we need a second opinion. And I do think this is a wild thing to be managing this at this point in your career. This is a peak in your career thing. So, you know, I, I do think she will be probably segueing out of this post uh, either when this is over or, or maybe she'll do a, a trade-off because this is a marathon. So she'll pass the baton. Interestingly, after SARS in 2003, she was the co-author of a report that was talking about our preparedness for the next pandemic. 
and it never came to fruition. I mean, the report was written, but uh, nobody acted upon that. Anthony Fury, the Sound and the Fury panel on The Oakley Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.